Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ, the fan, and uh, streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and KLIZ.com. Brought to you in part by our sponsors, Ernie's on Gull with deck and patio seating, weather permitting, and uh, unmatched Gull Lake view. And the T-Hive, custom apparel for your business, event, your team, your family, online at the T-Hive.com. Chris Foley is with us and uh, traveling the world, Palm Springs and then Augusta. Chris, a pretty exciting week. Uh, even though we've, we're still in the dead of winter in Minnesota, you uh, at least uh, get to see some green grass out there. Oh gosh, it's uh, you know my 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 favorite week of the year, or, or one one of the top several anyway. It's uh, uh, it's so fun to be back uh, in Augusta and uh, anticipating a incredible tournament. Lots of buzz. I've been uh, watching. Uh, of course, you. Uh, in previous years, there's a lot of uh, I don't know previous Masters. Uh, broadcasts on the golf channel leading up to it i haven't seen much of that this year because a lot to talk about i guess with the with the live golf guys there and uh, the pga guys i think there's 16 live golfers so um the players haven't talked about it too much it's probably um in the profession you're in chris and those guys i mean it's got to be business as usual you can't have those kind of distractions at augusta yeah, you know, I, I I really think it for the I would say in the vast vast majority of cases the players are happy to see each other. They're cordial. There's you know uh, if there's hard feelings amongst them, they're not displaying that. Uh, you know, I think as is a lot of things, I think the media is, is tries to make more out of it than it is. Even though there, you know, there's definitely there's definitely some riff in the world of golf. I, I think, uh, at least among the players, uh, I think the, yeah, there's some understanding. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The, it's, it's interesting. The, uh, I mean, everybody is benefiting financially. It seems like the live guys, of course, got paid extraordinary amounts of money to go, uh, leave the tour and, uh, continue to play for a lot of money but the pga purses have all taken a significant hike in the last uh 12 18 months oh yeah i mean it's definitely um <laughs> the the pga tour players have benefited from live because it, the tours had to rethink a lot of things that they've done and uh, you know a lot of the complaints or things that have come to the surface that the for for the first time the pga tour has actually responded to a lot of those things uh to protect their product and in i mean the the, the increases in the purses have are significant and and for the top players uh it's a huge difference with it with all these new elevated events and uh some of the other things that are happening so um, so it's, you know, it, it's like, you know, disruptors always, uh, you know, make an impact. Sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully everybody can benefit and we'll see what happens long-term. What's your weekend layout, Chris? I know you've been there most years that I've known you and, uh, this, this year is more of a, uh, more of a fan, uh, a, a fan Chris Foley than a working Chris Foley. <laughs> Yeah, for the first first time in a long time, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not doing any work down here, which is 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 pretty odd. Uh, I actually uh, 
miss not uh, doing some of the things that I've done in the past. And uh, but it, it's it's great to be here as just a spectator. I uh, to, to be able to just uh, uh, not have really any responsibility other than seeing a lot of a lot of friends. It's such an incredible in- industry gathering. Uh, I'm just you know, kind of getting to do a lot of watching golf. Uh, so it's, uh, uh, I'm really looking forward to Saturday. My son Joe is going to come up from Sea Island and we're going to get to spend the day together and um, Friday meeting some uh, some great friends. Going to spend a bunch of time with my good friend who's a Walker Cup captain, Mike McCoy. And, um, you know, I guess I've, I've seen a lot of, a lot of friends. It's, it, like I said, it's just such a gathering of the world of golf. It's a, um, yeah, you just see so many people and uh, so much. It's just the energy level is incredible. You and your son get to eat those inexpensive uh, Augusta sandwiches. Not inexpensive to get in, but once you're inside the ropes, it's pretty. Uh, it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, the, the concessions are always. Uh, not only are they inexpensive, but they uh, uh, they taste fabulous too. So. <laughs> Yeah, our conversations with uh, Trip Bowden and Doc Bowden over the years talked about the uh, the kind of food that can get delivered from the uh, from the uh, around Augusta. Some of the some of the different uh, caddies and the caddy shack and the food that came out of there, and then it extended to just uh, uh, just it's kind of the tradition of it, I guess. If a sandwich costs uh, three bucks, a sandwich still costs three bucks. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. You know, and and you know, getting to the Masters, if, if you're able to obtain tickets actually through Augusta National, whether it's the lottery or uh, if you're fortunate enough to be a, a badge holder over the years, it's it's really a very inexpensive sporting event to go to. It's uh, you know everything from the ticket prices to concessions to merchandise and everything else. It's it's the secondary ticket market that is uh, that's so incredibly expensive. I, I've heard of tickets this year going for uh, you know on a daily basis, Wednesday through Sunday, they're around ten thousand dollars on the secondary market. Holy smokes! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Might have Gary Player commenting about that. He was uh, he made some oh, comments boy. this week about. Uh, uh, how welcoming are they really? I mean, and he love. I mean, he loves the tradition of it. He loves being a Masters champ multiple times, uh, but he says I can't uh, call up Augusta and and uh, say my son and and two of my buddies are coming out. Can we play? Because he's not a member, so he can play because he has a green jacket, but he can't bring three pals along. Well, you know, as they say, membership has its privileges. <laughs> That's and, right. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, you know, it, it's interesting that it, it, the older Gary gets, uh, the more his true colors come out. <laughs> and uh, he, he's always been uh, a narcissist, but uh, it's, uh, I think, the, you know, the world in general is starting to learn that, not only the, the people close to him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, oh, he's 87 years old. I guess uh, if you're ever going to talk, you better start doing it. I guess. <laughs> I guess so. That's probably, right. probably what he, how he's feeling about it anyway. So. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> you're listening to Lakes Woods and Irons on 1380 KLIZ and 105.1 FM now, our translator site, along with KLIZ.com. We'll be back after this on the fan. 
Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. 1380 AM, 105.1 FM, The Fan. Also streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and wherever your podcasts are sold. This segment brought your way by SCR Northern, the ones with Old Man Winter on the trucks. Today we go back uh, to Trip Bowden, a rock on tour author, terrific guy, storyteller. You can find his books at tripbowden.com, tripbowden.com. He's got some memories from Augusta. He was also a caddy at Augusta. We'll go back and uh, feature a couple of trips. Great stories with this segment. I'm back. Good, good friend of the show, always one of our most entertaining guests, but I uh, want to welcome back Trip Bowden, who, uh, those of you who remember, is a former, uh, he was the first full-time white caddy at Augusta National and uh, now an author. And uh, before we had him on, talked about his great book, uh, Freddie and Me, uh, Life Lessons from, from Freddie, ben- Freddie Bennett, Augusta National's Legendary Caddy Master. And he's got a good, great new book out called The Caddy's Cookbook. Uh, welcome to the show, Trip. Thanks, Jens. Honored to be here, as always. You know, it, uh, I, I mentioned off-air, uh, uh, th- this, exactly Nas- the, this isn't exactly the Augusta Junior League's cookbook that they put out on a, a yearly basis, but it's uh, kind of an insider's look at Augusta National, along with some of the uh, some of the great food around. Well, thank you for saying that. It's actually, uh, as I mentioned too off air, that uh, they follow the rules and I do not. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's, um, it, it's a good way you call it an insider's look. It's, uh, it's, it's probably the only inside look that uh, could be done that way because no one knew the inside of that place like I did. I was very blessed and fortunate to uh, grow up out there, and and many of those recipes were actually made at our house um, from Freddie Bennett, and who got them from Chef Clark, who was the handpicked chef from uh, Mr. Roberts, Clifford Roberts, the founder of the club. And Freddie would would bring various, uh, let's just say, gifted food items to the house and cook them in our kitchen. That's that was growing up. So it was pretty pretty special. Trip for for those who don't know, t- tell give us a little bit about your background and and who Freddie Bennett is, and kind of uh, lead us into your inspiration for writing writing this book. Well, um, I first meet Freddie when I'm ten years old, and had moved from a neighborhood where I knew everyone to a neighborhood where I knew no one over on Wheeler Road, which is only about five minutes from the Augusta National. And I'm in the kitchen uh, where I hung out quite a bit in my youth. And I'm having a little chilly, and it's summertime, and there's a knock on the door, and, and it's, uh, it's, it's Freddie Bennett. And I, I go and open it, and he says, hey, man, it's Freddie. Is my doctor home? And I said, yeah, Pop's in the back. Uh, yeah, come on in. And he takes the steps two at a time, and he's just this mammoth of a man. He's had such a presence. And he shakes my hand, and he says, you must be Trip. I've heard all about you. And he, it's the first handshake I remember as a kid, and... I was thinking, well, what is there to know about me? And Pop walks in, they start talking, and then I sit back down, and Pop says, come on, Freddie, let's go into my office, which was uh, our den, which had a bar in it, which was pretty cool. <laughs> and his Pop's idea of Dr. and Freddie was uh, a glass of scotch, Chevis Regal, and some Spanish peanuts with the skin on, and checking his blood pressure and telling him he's going to live, and they, they just start telling stories. And <laughs> I got to go in there with them. And which was the first time ever to be in part of like an adult conversation. And Freddie's going on and on about this club. And I was very removed from the game of golf at that, at that time in my life. In fact, I hated it. I, I wanted to go fishing or kick a soccer ball, anything but golf. Because my dad, he played golf, and I just felt like he took my dad away from me. So Freddie's on and on about this club. And he turns to me and he says, I hear you don't like golf, but I, 
he liked the fish. And I said, man, I love the fish. He said, that, that does it. We're going to go to the club tomorrow, and we're going to go fishing. I said, all right, great, the club, cool, cool. And I say to myself, well, wait, what's, what's he talking about, the club? And I said, well, you know, I got a, a, Repco, a Zepco uh, rod and reel. Just got it for uh, Christmas. He said, oh, man, no rod and reel. He said, that'll, that'll only slow you down. I'm thinking, slow me down? What are you talking about? So we go out to the club, which, of course, turned out to be, this is the summertime, the, cl- the club is closed. This is Augusta National Golf Club. Two and then Magnolia Lane. Hop in Freddie's personal golf cart. Zip on over to the par three with these cane poles that he cut from the bamboo that grows on number four. He made these cane poles himself. And we're just catching the brim in as fast as you can sling them up on the bank. Then he put them on a stringer. Just throw them in the cooler and let's go. And <laughs> I've never seen fishing like that in my life. And he was right. The Zepco rod and reel would have slowed me down. I'm talking about in the water. Boom, on the, on the land. There you go. And Freddie turns to me and he says, I know you don't like golf, but have you ever given it a chance? And I thought, I've, I've never had a question poised to me quite like that before. And I said, no, I haven't. And he said, all right, man, let me show you something. So he shows me the golf grip, the Hogan grip, you know, with the crook of your finger and the sort of meaty palm of your hand, just one finger, and I'm holding on, onto the cane pole like that. And he says, all right, pulling a fish. And I'm weighing about 12 pounds at this point in my life. I'm a tiny little kid. And he puts the cane pole in the water. I'm holding onto it with one finger, and I'm pulling a fish. And I said, that's golf? He said, that's golf. And I was hooked, no pun intended, hooked for life. <laughs> and thanks to Freddie Bennett, I was uh, blessed enough to make my high school golf team, uh, which was an accomplishment, considering my girlfriend, who is now my wife, broke up with me the day of qualifier, and I shoot 48 and don't make it, so they had another <laughs> nine-hole qualifier. And I get on my knees and I grovel, which I've, I've gotten really good at that in my marriage, groveling. And uh, begging for mercy. And she has me back. And in the next qualifier, I shot 36 and made the golf team uh, as a ninth grader. And Freddie came by the house with uh, Pompano from Florida that was flown in that morning to the Augusta National. And Chef Clark thought he was uh, in his duty to give uh, some of that Pompano to Freddie. And Freddie brought it by the house. And he fried it up in our kitchen to uh, celebrate uh, me making the golf team and getting my love of my life back. And he said, man, I want to hear all about it. And that recipe is actually in the book, in the, in the Caddy's Cookbook. And so she's put up with you for how many years now, Trip? Believe it or not, it's uh, been it's been 20. Yeah. 20 nice years, going. And, uh, we were, yeah, thank you. Thank you. We were married on uh, Halloween. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> quite, quite fitting. And I had uh, 27 groomsmen. <laughs> I've been in 19 weddings <laughs> at, at that time. And uh, felt like there were a lot of my friends who needed to go, go and rent a tux and take some cash. It was, a, it was a great wedding. We, uh, it was more of a party. In fact, we, uh, uh, my wife had been married once before and her dad said, uh, I'll pay for the reception, but I ain't paying for the wedding. <laughs> so we, we did the old take out a second mortgage and, and pay for our <laughs> wedding. And, and, uh, you know, when it comes time to, you know, getting the horse and buggy and ride up into the sunset and throw the rice and all that stuff, I'm like, wait a minute, hell with that. We pay for this damn thing. So we rode in the carriage around the church and came back in and we blew it down to two o'clock in the morning <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm paying for this party we're gonna stay to the end there we you did. go well trip t- tell us tell us about a caddy's cookbook it uh uh you got some great stuff in there caddy's chewing gum i want to hear about that oh man that was a classic classic well the, the idea of the book came from i personally don't care for cookbooks except for uh Ina Garten, the Bedford Contessa lady, her stuff is really good, but you got to be able to, you know, know your way around a measurement, which I do not. I'm a dash of this, a sprinkle of that kind of person, and always had been. But 
somehow I've, I've been able to create some pretty awesome dishes. Um, and that was for the emphasis of, of the Caddy's Cookbook. I wanted it to be fun. And I've, I've been blessed to hear people say, I read your cookbook cover to cover. And I'm thinking, who reads a cookbook? That's perfect. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what I was hoping for. And But the Caddy's Chewing Gum, true story, there was a guy named Larry Fowler who was uh, an Army vet and also a phenomenal caddy. And we're out there with our regular group, which, uh, with you boys being in Minnesota, uh, his, his name was uh, Mr. Bridston, Paul Bridston, and he was from North Dakota. And he would winter, winter in Bemidji, Minnesota. <laughs> and I never saw him wear a sweater. I don't think he owned one. And he called me Abner, like little Abner. I never knew why about that. And we were out there, and, and Larry, like, a, you know, getting that oil, as Freddie would say, um, the night before, and, and Freddie's butter beans, which were a great cure for a hangover, he'd make those in the caddy house, and you'd get a big old bowl full of those in the morning to cure what ails you. But uh, Mr. Brisson told Larry, he said, you, you show up tomorrow morning, and Larry was in our group, and Mr. Brisson would come down for a couple weeks at a time in February. He said, you show up drunk tomorrow with liquor on your breath, you're fired. Well, of course, Larry shows up drunk with liquor on his breath. But he's doing a very clever job of staying away from Mr. Britson best he can. Well, we're tooling down number two, and I look over, and there's Larry jumping like a pogo stick and reaching up and grabbing pine needles. I'm like, what the hell is he doing? Pulls them down. These loblolly pine needles are really long, and they're apparently they're very chewy. And he puts them in his mouth. He's chewing them. <laughs> and I'm like, what in the hell? And he goes, hey. And my nickname was White Boy, which wasn't all that clever, but it fit. Hey, White Boy. White Boy. And he's blowing his breath on me, and I'm like, damn, that smells like, like a Christmas tree. So he comes tooling down the fairway with Mr. Briston, and Mr. Briston says, Larry, I smell Christmas. And he said, yeah, boss. And he's doing the old <laughs> kind of fake accent. He says, yeah, boss. He said, they pipe that stuff in here right after Christmas, keep the Christmas spirit going. He said, me and my granddaddy, we used to go cut down on Christmas trees, and nothing but pocket knives and gumption. But ain't that a beautiful smell? Mr. Briston said, yes. It smells like Christmas. He said, boy, they do everything out there, don't they? He said, yes, sir, they do. <laughs> <laughs> he called it God's own chewing gum. It he, he kept his job. It's got to be a great read uh, trip with the, I love, well, for me, you know, with my attention span, like like five-page chapters and six-page chapters and four-page chapters, a guy can kind of uh, can kind of get through a chapter or two and put together a pretty good meal, I'm guessing. Uh, tell me about uh, things an Augusta caddy might carry in his pockets. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was a uh, a grazer, kind of like a cow snacker, <laughs> and I always had everything in my pocket you could imagine. I mean, it'd be a pork chop sandwich, and I'd take two bites of that on number one, and that would take me through number nine. I had We called them bone sandwiches, which was chicken, fried chicken, and two pieces of squishy white bread, and horse would push it down with his knuckles and wrap it up. Sometimes it'd be a sausage dog. All right, this is a good one here. Uh, my first day caddying out there, and I'm hungry, and I go to the up to the window there where Horace was cooking, and I asked for a hot dog. And he said, sausage dog. And I thought he misunderstood me. I said, no, I'd like a hot dog. He said, sausage dog. And he took him the sausage dog through the window. And it's like a, a like a pay window at, at, the, at the horse races with the metal bars and everything, so you couldn't get in there to whip his ass or him whip yours, I guess. <laughs> and, and I said, okay, all right. And I'm thinking, well... I'd like a Coke. He said, grape soda. I said, no, a Coke, please. He said, grape soda. He slides a grape soda to me. I thought, all right, I guess you, whatever's on the menu is on the menu. 
but whatever's on the menu, I, I put those in my pocket and just tooled on on down the fairways. And sometimes it was uh, there was a caddy named Donahue, uh, who you may recall the uh, the phrase from Delta back in the day. Uh, uh, we love to fly and it shows. And Freddie called Donahue Delta, so he loves to drink and it shows. <laughs> <laughs> and I would have these forty ounce uh, crazy horse malt liquors in my caddy suit, which was huge pockets. I don't know why the pockets were so huge on those caddy suits. Uh, uniforms, except for, I mean, to put a 40-ounce, think about that, a 40-ounce beer sitting perfectly in my pocket, sitting <laughs> in there. And we'd have to go off, we called it first thing smoking in the mornings, and, and I just handed it to Donahue, and uh, he called me his doctor to get him right with the chip, and, and uh, <laughs> he, ch- he chugged that bad boy, be gone by by the first green. And uh, one time, Donahue, good story on Donahue, he showed up just in bad shape, but his main man was in town, and he had to go out with him. So he put the bag on his shoulder, and he's like spinning around like a top, Freddie said, that ain't going to do. So he put, Freddie put another bag on Donahue's shoulder. Donahue was upright and looking good, and he said, man, you're as balanced as the scales of justice. <laughs> <laughs> but I had everything in my pocket, Mac. I mean, you, you name it, it was in there. It was a can of sardines, boiled egg, uh, nitchy crackers, bar none candy bars. If you needed something, I was, I was your man. I was, I was called Snack Man, too. <laughs> nice. <laughs> That was just a part of our interview with Trip Bowden, the uh, author and uh, raconteur. You can find out more about Trip and uh, purchase his books, which are great, at tripbowden.com. You're listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes, Woods, and Irons with Chris Foley. Colin McDonald with you, 1380 KLIZ The Fan, 105.1 FM The Fan as well. KLIZ.com and lakeswoodsandirons.com brought you away in part by our sponsor, Shannon's Auto Body, new this year to uh, Lakes, Woods, and Irons. Shannon's with a new location coming to East Brainerd to better serve the uh, Brainerd Lakes community. Chris Foley on the phone uh, from Augusta this morning, or this afternoon, I guess it is now. Chris, uh, uh, some big experiences coming up. You mentioned in the opening that uh, your son's coming. That'll be kind of uh, one for the memory banks to be at Augusta on Saturday with your son. Yeah, for sure. And I, I, you know, both, both boys have been with me several times and, uh, uh, Michael's been the last couple of years, which, uh, is spectacular. Joe hasn't been though since he was, gosh, 12 or 13 years old. So, uh, so it's going to be a pretty special, special day to get to spend with him, uh, as is any day you get to spend with him, but, uh, being there will be, uh, make it even more memorable. Certainly on TV, it always looks uh, perfection is kind of what they shoot for at uh, Augusta National, and it sure looks that way when you see it on TV this week. But we're going to get some interesting weather. It sounds like uh, opening day Thursday, uh, pretty good weather, and then going to maybe get – it's not a very nice forecast for the weekend. No, forecast for Thursday is is great. Friday is okay. Uh, Saturday looks like it's going to be miserable, unfortunately, and, and uh, uh, maybe a little better on Sunday. But, uh, you know, gosh, Friday, or Thursday is supposed to be uh, mid-80s. By Saturday, it's supposed to be high of 56. And, uh, you know, it seems like the last – you always get some rain, it seems like, uh, for the Masters in recent years. Uh, the thing that really stinks is when they get lightning because then they have to clear the golf course and 
it's uh, it's quite a mess, and whether whether people can even get back in after that is is always a question. So, ho- hopefully, it'll just be rain, not a lot of not a lot of lightning, and uh, but it'll it'll definitely uh, change the golf course and change the perspective. So, the tough weather, Chris, um, and the personality of the various golfers. They were mentioning some of that on the Golf Channel this week, but. Who do you think uh, it probably favors, um, I guess, the guy with the more steady compass, really, as far as uh, uh, that can, you know, weather any storm, so to speak? Yeah, it, uh, you know, and Mike Weir had an interesting perspective uh, on the Golf Channel and that, uh, you know, he, he, he said that the, when there's bad weather, it really brings a lot of the field more back to the center. And uh, it doesn't necessarily favor anybody, but it, it, it the guy who can he he thought it it favored the guy who maybe was a little more creative, and um, you know more of a the the guy who who didn't mind you know shaping his shots and uh, may, maybe brought the the shorter hitter more. Uh, made them more relevant relevant because it uh you're kind of out there grinding so yeah yeah i would think some of the calmer head scotty scheffler certainly comes to mind in in nowadays he's hard to rattle that guy it seems like although then when he talks he'll say how how he's so emotional He, he really has to keep that just below the surface because as soon as he lets it out he starts to cry just part of his personality which is interesting yeah uh so and then the on uh, maybe the opposite side of the coin, John Rahm, who's pretty fiery, and uh, you know, is he just going to charge into the weather without uh, taking it into consideration? Or I know he was one of the guys that a lot of the talking heads were talking about this week uh, that could be affected by by nasty weather. Yeah, he certainly. Uh, I, I I will say, you know he Rahm runs so hot. But he has definitely, in the past several seasons, um, he's gotten much better at that. And I, I'm not sure what the difference is, but he uh, he's much calmer than he ever used to be. But you know, Scheffler, he, I don't know. He even is as emotionally as as emotional as he is. Um, boy, he's awfully calm out there. Yeah. Yeah. And. Um, you know, it. it uh, I just I just read something this morning. The the last three months, he's he's number one in driving on the tour. He's number two in iron play, and he compared to the first three months of last year, which he had won, you know, either three or four times coming into the Masters. Uh, he's his scoring average is two shots better. <laughs> so. Yes, I mean, when you look at that, it's it's hard to bet against Scheffler. Right, yeah. And the guy, the uh, certainly the favorite probably of the crowd would be Rory McIlroy. If he could get the green jacket, that would give him uh, uh, the Grand Slam, which, of course, is every golfer's dream and fairly difficult to get when only, I think, five guys in golf, in the history of golf have have uh, got the uh, Grand Slam. So that's uh, that's always something to watch for. Well, there, there's certainly more pressure uh, on Rory McIlroy than anybody, and that pressure is self-induced. But um, you know, 
every turn you, he makes, he, he hears about his opportunity to win the Grand Slam. Uh, but I, I, you know, he's probably not had, probably never come into the Masters playing better than he is right now. Yeah, his putting is much improved, isn't it? His, his putting's improved. I, I, you know, all aspects of his game, I think, are you know in a really good place right now. But it, it, he's putting very well. He just switched back to uh, you know a blade style putter, which he, uh, he you know his, his last major he won. He he putted with a blade style putter, and um, yeah, I, I think he's. He just seems like he's in a very good place with uh, with his game and mentally and everything else. So, yeah, you can't help but get asked about it. I get because 2014 is starting to be a while ago, and uh, it's hard to believe he hasn't won a major since then. With all the wins that he has outside of major tournaments in that uh, what's coming up on nine years now. Right, right. A lot of uh, a lot of top tens, a lot of second places in that time period, but uh, might be his year. And if Spieth can avoid the disaster of number twelve, he loves to play Augusta and has always uh, makes a lot of birdies there. Yeah, you know, I he he is, you know, he's won one, but he has had a legitimate chance to win uh, on five different occasions. And um, so it, uh, he loves the place, and he, he's playing great right now as well. Yeah, we talked a bit a little last week. The PGA probably couldn't be happier. Their top guys are all playing really well uh, for the first part of this season, which they wanted not only for their competition with uh, Live Golf, but just in general it's great to have uh, the best golfers in the world playing their best when the first major rolls around. And uh, for sure, then it's short order after that. I mean, it seems like we have a major every other week. It's not quite that bad, but it's uh, it's pretty close. Once they get going, the majors uh, major season is here. We'll be back with more from Chris Foley. He's at Augusta, giving us an inside look. Don't you wish we were there? <laughs> so we'll be back with more from Chris after this. You're listening to 1380 KLIZ and 105.1 FM, The Fan. Welcome back to Lakes Woods and Irons, 1380 KLIZ The Fan, 105.1 FM as well. Streaming at lakeswoodsandirons.com and wherever your podcasts are sold. This segment uh, brought your way by Holiday Station stores on Mill Avenue and Cross Lake and also by Shannon's Auto Body. We continue now with our conversation with Chris Foley, who's lucky enough to be at Augusta National. You've traveled uh, all over the country, Chris, and played uh, all kinds of different golf courses and uh, all over uh, um, parts of uh, Europe as well. What's the uh, most unique thing you think about Augusta? How is it? Uh, how does it differentiate itself from uh, from other courses? Well, from a, you know, from a major standpoint, it's the only venue that's played you know year after year after year. So there's a lot of familiarity with in both the fans' perspective and the players. Uh, but you know, Augusta is so unique in that. Uh, the the elevation TV just doesn't do it justice. I mean, it looks perfect on TV, but it looks even more perfect in person. And um, the the biggest thing that TV can't show is the elevation change. Uh, both you know the the slope on the green, the flattens the slope, and then then um, the elevation from the high point of the golf course to the low point of the golf course. I think it's 
you know, from, from the clubhouse to uh, 12 green, I think it's, is 300 feet difference in elevation change. So it's, uh, you know, basically the, the golf course is, is almost on a hillside, you know, and, uh, yeah. uh, doesn't, doesn't, doesn't necessarily play that way. I mean, you know, 11 is you know, 10 and 11 are, are quite a bit downhill and it's flat, uh, to Raymond corner. And then you play uphill on eight, nine and 18. And so, um, but the, the greens have a tremendous amount of slope. I mean, it's, uh, I, I've never played a golf course with, uh, with anything like the, the greens at Augusta or the runoffs, those type of things. You talked a few years ago on the show about, uh, uh, the feel of the green as far as walking on it, uh, like, a like, a a hardwood basketball court. Yeah, you know, gr- great greens in general. Um, you know, they almost have a hollow feel to them when you walk on them because they're they're, you know, there's they're really firm. Uh, yet they'll receive a shot and they roll great. And uh, but they def those greens definitely have a different feel when you walk across them. Pretty uh, pretty incredible, yeah. And then uh, thirteen we talked briefly about last week. That's. The major change this year, they've made some changes in, in recent years, which uh, seems like most golf courses do to kind of keep up with the uh, the modern game, I guess, quote-unquote. But uh, 13, another 40 or 50 yards, Chris? Yeah, the, 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 the published yardage is 40 yards. And, uh, gosh, does it look tight. You know, you, you can't obviously go back there, but the pictures you see, I mean, the, the shoot that you're hitting from now is really tight. Um I found that really interesting, and uh, you know, it's qu- it's quite a bit higher than the than the I guess they're calling the forward tee now uh, on 13th. But uh, I don't know how much higher in elevation it is, but uh, it, I think it's definitely a different perspective for the players, and you know, obviously longer, and uh, it's going to put you know a long iron or hybrid into a lot of players' hands to to get to that. Uh, if they want to hit that green in, in, in two. That'll be interesting. The strategy of it has always been, you know, you always, if you're rooting for someone or just watching the uh, event because it's so great and you get to Sunday and you always think, well, you know, my guy could eagle 13 and 15. That's just kind of the um, the great players that have done that or come darn close a few times. So you can make up a lot of shots in that stretch, but 13 sounds like it'll be a little tougher. Yeah, it um you know, it, it before if you hit a good drive, hitting it on the green and two was a given kind of. Uh, but now there's definitely there's a lot more risk reward in that hole. Uh, it, it, you know, if you're hitting a four or five iron into into that green as opposed to a nine iron or pitching wedge, that's, that's a big difference. So it uh, it really it it brings the strategy back into the hole. And fifty in one of the great. Uh psychological holes in the history of golf uh, <laughs> uh as they i think i think last night they were talking about uh Seve, the rinsing the ball on 15 is what they ter- how they termed it when when jack won it in 86 and that uh Seve never really fully recovered in majors after doing that so that hole 15 uh was it was that where sergio hit four or five in the water spun him into the water a couple yeah, of years back? Sure. I think he hit five balls in the water and 
uh, you know, gosh, Tiger's lost the the tournament on that hole. Yeah. Uh, well, that's where that's where Tiger took his his uh, bad drop. Um, right, the penalty yeah. five six years ago. Yeah. So it's uh, that has the hole's back nine, but that that's definitely been a been, been, a, been a pivotal hole. And, yeah. Uh, it was interesting. It was interesting to see Tiger hitting a lot of pitch shots, chip shots from from behind the green there because you, you know if you're going to miss it you don't want to miss short you want to miss long and that's <laughs> where a lot of players do so uh he was hitting a lot of pitch shots from be from behind that green the other day yeah yeah the sergio one is so memorable because he hit well the first four looked perfect but he was stubborn enough to keep hitting them the same and each one spun back <laughs> in the water and then he finally uh, thought, okay, maybe I better hit it somewhere else or hit a different shot. Because yeah. <laughs> they all did look perfect. It was almost, oh, yeah. It was like watching uh, Kevin Costner on Tin Cup, you know. That's right. I know I That's can right. do it. I know I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Have you got uh, – Bill Rogers is a buddy of yours that we've uh, been fortunate enough to talk to, and is he going to be out there this weekend? He is. I, I, I think he's going home Friday. I'm getting a – see bill yet but uh hoping to run into him before he typically is there through friday and uh always one of my favorite guys to to get to see and talk to us so yeah and then a couple of guys we'll probably have on the show as the uh summer goes on uh trip and doc bowden are uh, uh they're probably going to be around i guess they have a party don't they maybe maybe we've already missed it i yeah. don't know <laughs> they their their part their party was last night i wasn't able to go uh <laughs> but uh, they are. It's it's it is one of the events, Masters Week. I, I was invited, but unfortunately, was not able to make it. Okay. <laughs> well, we'll get uh, Trip the storyteller on with us uh, one of these weeks, and uh, I yeah. always remember having Doc on uh, probably two or three years ago now. But he has such rich memories going all the way back to Hogan and Sneed, and uh, I'll never forget him saying about watching. Hogan hit so many great shots and then standing and watching him on the greens waiting till his hand stopped shaking before he would take the putter back. It's extraordinary, yeah. really. Yeah. The great man, as he called him, I think. <laughs> I think Doc spent about as much time at Augusta National as anybody. He's the uh, club doctor and attending uh, events and all the relationships he has there. Yeah, yeah how fantastic. All right, Chris, you got a uh, you got a dark horse for us, or a front runner, or both? Well, I'm I, I'm I'm pulling for Rory. Yeah, but uh, it'd be fun to see. Uh, I'd love to see Jordan win. I'd love to see see uh, Scotty Scheffler win. But, uh, you know, even if Cam Smith won, I would love to see that as well. He, uh, you know, he he he's one of the good guys in golf. And he's not playing the PJ Tour, which is really a shame. But uh, he's got he's got a kind of a magnetic personality, and boy, does he have some game! Yeah, yeah, he seems to be uh, pretty well liked by uh, all, uh, most of the guys still on the PGA Tour, and probably his uh, live oh, golf and pals sure. as well. But yeah, he you're right. Yeah. He's got uh, he does have the magnetic personality, and and a major champion last year. So he'd lo- he'd love to add a green jacket, I'm sure. Yes. Well, Chris, you enjoy the weekend, my friend, and uh, uh, we'll have reports uh, 
next week about how it went, and uh, uh, that'll be fun too. Thanks, Mac. Have a great weekend. Chris Foley from Augusta this week. How cool is that? You've been listening to Lakes, Woods, and Irons on 1380 KLIZ.